This morning, we will find ourselves in Revelation chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles with you or if you want to grab a pew Bible and go ahead and open up the Scripture to Revelation chapter 10, that is where we will find ourselves this morning. But as you pretty much already know, we've been walking through Revelation chapter by chapter, and each week is pretty much building upon what we have already learned, especially as we start to see that the judgments poured out are actually just a recapitulation or a re-imaging of what has already happened. And though there is some chronology to it, it might not necessarily mean one thing happening right after another. And this morning, we're entering into our second interlude period between the revelation of the different judgments that are to be poured out. And we were talking about how these interludes kind of step in the middle of each of the recapitulations so that we can see a better picture of what's happening from a heavenly perspective. And so this week in Revelation chapter 10, we have another image of what is happening in heaven as John writes about it. And so let us read together in this book, Revelation chapter 10, and you can follow along as you listen. Then I saw another strong angel coming down out of heaven, clothed with a cloud. And the rainbow was upon his head, and his face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little scroll, which was open. He placed his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the earth. And he cried out with a loud voice, as when a lion roars. And when he had cried out, the seven peals of thunder uttered their voices. And when the seven peals of thunder had spoken, I was about to write... And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up the things which the seven peals of thunder have spoken, and do not write them. Then the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and the earth lifted up his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things in it and the earth and the things in it and the sea and the things in it, that there will be delay no longer. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, then the mystery of God is finished, as he proclaimed good news to his slaves and the prophets. Then the voice which I heard from heaven, I heard again speaking with me and saying, Go, take the scroll which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel, telling him to give me the little scroll, and he said to me, Take it and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll out of the angel's hand and I ate it. And in my mouth it was sweet as honey. And when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And they said to me, you must prophesy again about many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Amen. Let us go to the Lord in a moment of prayer. Good and gracious God, as we hear these words this morning from Revelation chapter 11, or chapter 10, I pray that our hearts would be open to hear what it is that you have to say to us. And that though we read this and it is a story that John has stepped into and that it is about John, 
Let us see what it is that you have to speak to us. What is it that we can glean from these passages as we follow you and trust in you and obey your holy word? So, Lord, lead us and guide us this morning. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as we open this passage, we first start to see that there is this strong angel coming down out of heaven, and he's clothed with a cloud and a rainbow, and his face shone like the sun, and his feet were like pillars of fire. And we start hearing that, and we should be immediately drawn to an image of Jesus back in Revelation chapter 1. But what's odd is that this isn't described as Jesus, it's described as an angel that has this appearance like Jesus in Revelation chapter 1. And so it's kind of odd. You're kind of like, well, who is this angel? And though none of the angels throughout Revelation are ever named, what we can say is that this is one that God has given his authority to, to enact what is to happen next upon the earth. And I think that's really important for us to understand that God at times will give away his authority in order to allow things to happen, in order to reveal truths in the earth. In fact, God gives his authority away when he empowers his people, his children, to declare his holy word. God is about handing over his authority at times to his people to see his kingdom come about and to see his kingdom flourish. And that's no different than how he might give his authority away to angels in heaven in the last days to see these final things come to fruition. But I mention us as a part of that because I think as we read the rest of this passage that we see that authority is given to John, and if to John, then also to us. We carry with us when we believe in Christ Jesus, His Spirit, in us, and therefore some of the authority that has been given to Christ is also given to us. In fact, Jesus said to his disciples, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, and whatever you bind on earth would be bound in heaven. God chooses to partner with his people for his kingdom purposes. And so what are his kingdom purposes? I really think that as we read chapter 10, our eyes will be opened to a great mystery. And that's really what I want to talk about in chapter 10 today. I want to talk about the great mystery that happens when we see God for who he is, but also that God has placed mystery within us. And so let us read verse 4 together. It says, And when the seven peals of thunder had spoken, I was about to write. But then I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up the things which the seven peals of thunder have spoken, and do not write them. That's pretty odd considering at the very beginning John is told, write down all the things that you see and hear. And he's been doing very faithfully so, so far through the book of Revelation. But now we have this moment where the seven thunders, 
which I believe is the complete voice of God being echoed throughout heaven and the earth, are heard, but the Lord then says to John, don't write these things. These things are to remain a mystery. In fact, if we turn our Bibles to Daniel chapter 12, there's a similar instance in verse 4, but as for you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal up the book until the time of the end. Many will go to and fro, and knowledge will increase. There is this mystery that even Daniel learned in the Old Testament that God said, hey, seal these things up. Don't write about these things. It's not the time for these things to be revealed. It's not the time for them to know what's going to happen. And so Daniel seals it up. We don't know what it is that Daniel wrote or saw. Maybe what Daniel saw is what John is now seeing and writing for us in most of Revelation, but then there's still one part that John was said, don't reveal that. So where am I going with all this? It seems like I'm kind of like, okay, you've told us there's this mysterious thing that we don't know about, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm not sure that we still know. We might still not know what the seven peals of thunder said to John. But I don't think that's the point of this passage. I really believe that the point of this passage is to reveal to us that God places mystery in front of us. And he loves to do so. In fact, if we turn to Ecclesiastes... Let me see if I can find it in my Bible. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says this in verse 11. God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in their heart. Yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. And then in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 17, we also read this, And I saw every work of God, and I concluded that man cannot find out the work which has been done under the sun. Even though man should seek laboriously, he will not find it out. And though the wise man should say, I know, he cannot find it out. Now that might sound like, okay, well that doesn't sound too great for us. But really it is a beautiful invitation to be okay with mysterious things. It's a beautiful invitation to say, yeah, you know what? There are some things that God has done that are mysterious and I can't understand or comprehend them. You see, mystery is one of those things that I love to hate. In fact, I grew up watching uh, the TV show, maybe some of you have heard about it, Murder, She Wrote. Uh, great television program. But there was also another one, a little bit, created a little bit later, called Monk with Tony Shalhoub. It was on USA. 
But they're all about these mysteries and solving cases and, and solving things and trying to figure out the answer. And every time I would watch them, I'd always try to get to the answer before the protagonist did. I was like, I wonder if I can solve it before they do. I wonder if I can figure out who done it. That was always so exciting to me, but I can tell you I missed it a lot. There are so many times that I didn't see what they saw. One of the greatest of all time, Sherlock Holmes, right? Another great mystery story that we have been given, and it's something that intrigues us. I mean, as a child, I grew up reading the Hardy Boys. Maybe some of you did too, or maybe Nancy Drew. Mystery intrigues us, and I really believe mystery intrigues us, going back to that Ecclesiastes 3 passage, because God has set eternity in our hearts. And if we're really honest with ourselves, eternity is a mystery. It's a mystery because it's really hard to fathom forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, and it just goes on and on and on and on, because in our lives, Everything is finite. We experience things temporally, and so when we hear about eternity, we're like, that is a mystery to me. It blows my mind that I can't fully comprehend it. I think mystery sometimes is about that which cannot be comprehended. And God is full of things that cannot be comprehended. I mean, he is three persons in one God. If you have figured out a great way to teach that and to explain it, and you have full knowledge of that, please come talk to me. Because I have an idea, but I'm still baffled. It's just one of those mysteries. I mean, just the other week in our community group class before service, Somebody had asked me beforehand, where do girls come from? Who, who did Cain go marry in Nod? I don't know. It's a mystery to me. I've got my assumptions. But guess what? They're just assumptions. The Bible doesn't tell me. It's a mystery. And it might be a mystery because it's not relevant to the story that God wants to reveal in Scripture, which is His story of redemption. But I also think that mystery exists because God wants us to seek it out. He wants us to try to discover the answer of the mysterious. In fact, in Isaiah... Chapter, uh, let's see here, Isaiah 45. See if I can turn to that in my Bible. I have so many things marked this morning. In Isaiah 45, I love this because not only does it say that mystery exists for us to seek it out, it also calls us to who exactly we are seeking out in the mystery. Truly, you are a God who hides himself. O God of Israel, Savior. God is the ultimate mystery. He's the one that hides himself from us. 
not because he's trying to keep you from him, but because he wants you to seek him out. So he has become mysterious. He is a mystery to us. There is so much about God that we cannot comprehend. And so we are called deeper into relationship with him to say, God, what is this thing about you? I want to know more. In fact, so many mysteries of the Bible are created not so that we can find out the specific answer to that mystery, but so that we can figure out the creator of those mysteries. Let me bring that a little bit closer. Going back to Sherlock Holmes, right? If you know anything about the story of Sherlock Holmes, he's constantly solving all these cases, all these murders, all these problems, and eventually he comes to discover that the more he solves them, the more he realizes they're caused by an antagonist named Moriarty. And so no longer is Sherlock Holmes just trying to solve a case, trying to solve the mystery. He's trying to solve the creator of the mysteries. He wants to know, who is Moriarty? Why is he doing this? What is his motive behind it? What is his purpose and his intention? And in the same manner, as we see mystery after mystery after mystery throughout Scripture, we begin to realize as we try to unravel the mysteries, no longer should we be drawn to the mystery itself, but the creator of the mystery. What is his purpose, his intention with us? Who is this God? Well, I have really good news for us in Jeremiah 29, which I know we have all heard 29.11, but have you heard 29.13? You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. God just doesn't hide himself to stay hidden from you. God hides himself so that he can be found by you. He wants to be found. He wants you to find him. And I'll be honest, as a kid, whenever we played hide-and-seek in the neighborhood, I was always the one that wanted to be found because the chase was more fun than just staying hidden. I wanted them to find me. And so oftentimes, I would hide in the most plain and obvious places. I mean, honestly, there, we would always play at night, so it was added a little bit more fun to the, to the thrill of it. But my choicest spot for hiding was just laying in the middle of the grass. That was it. I would just, it was dark in our neighborhood, like there weren't a lot of street lamps, so I could just lay in the grass, and I would just be there, and I would just be waiting and I'd be watching and I'd be waiting. And then when they found me, then the fun began. God doesn't hide himself to stay hidden from us. He hides himself so that we may seek him. So that the fun of it can really be had. I love that. I love that that's who God is toward us. But just because we begin to seek God out, and this is really important. I want us to understand this. Just because we begin to seek him out doesn't mean that we're going to get all the answers. Life is full of hardship. 
disease, brokenness, fallenness. We know the cause of those things is sin entering into the world. But we don't always know the why it happens to my family member, to my loved one. Sometimes that just remains a mystery to us. But it should draw us in to the God who creates mystery. To seek Him out and find comfort in Him even if He doesn't want to divulge the answer. That brings me to verse 7 in Revelation. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel... When he is about to sound, so as, as the end days are about to come, in the age of the church, at the end of the age, then the mystery of God is finished. The mystery of God is finished as he proclaimed good news to his slaves, the prophets. There may be lots and lots of mysteries throughout Scripture, and there might be lots of mysteries that exist within our own hearts about life and the things that we could be facing. But there is one mystery that God has always desired to reveal from the very beginning. How are we to be redeemed? What is God's great, mysterious plan of redemption? How is He going to to do it. Well, let me start by reading Amos chapter 3, verse 7. Surely, that is right, yeah. Surely Yahweh does nothing unless he reveals his secret counsel to his slaves, the prophets. God wants to reveal this one mystery to you. He wants you to know this one thing because it's the most important thing that you could ever know in your entire life. It's the one significant mystery that he has hidden that if you seek it, you will find. And what is that mystery as revealed by Paul in his letter to the Romans? I love this. Verse six, or chapter 16, 25 through, whoops. There we go. Romans 16, 25 through 27. And now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel in the preaching of Jesus, according to the revelation of the mystery. The mystery has been revealed and it is the preaching of Jesus, this gospel message, which had been kept secret for long ages past but now is manifested by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the eternal God has been made known to all the Gentiles leading to obedience of faith. To the only wise God through Jesus Christ be glory forever and ever. Amen. The mystery's been revealed the good news has come. The one thing that God kept a mystery is now no longer mysterious. The one thing that we need to know, Jesus. That's right. It's Jesus. It's always been Jesus. And now we get to see him for who he is.
the Son of God lifted up, inviting us into an eternal kingdom with God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. That is the great mystery. But we are surrounded by all these mysteries so that we can be pulled to that one mystery. So that we can see that one mystery. And so that it will be revealed to us. You might be again thinking, what does any of this have to do with Revelation? I thought we were talking about the last days. Well, I said that I think that we are in the last days. From the moment that Jesus gave himself up on the cross, we entered into the final age, the church age. What has to happen during this time? The gospel has to reach every tribe, tongue, and nation. The mystery has to be revealed to the people of the earth until all that are to hear have heard. That's good news. And it's still good news for me and for you. God has revealed his greatest mystery to us. And he wants us to reveal it to the world. That's actually next week's sermon. But first this week, let's bring it all back. Revelation 10 verse 9. And so I went to the angel telling him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, take it and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. Jeremiah 15, 16 says this about that very thing. Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became for me joy and gladness in my heart. For I have been called by your name, O Yahweh God of hosts. Or even Psalm 119, where David says this, How sweet is your word to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. How sweet is the word of God. Are you feasting on it? Do you taste and see that the word is good? Do you feast on the things that God wants to reveal to you in his holy scripture? Because every mystery, though we might not know, the final answer to it, we can know the creator of it through the sweetness of his word. It will reveal all things that you need to know, but not always the things you want to know. But when you feast on what you need to know, it will be sweeter than that which you want to know. I would repeat that, but I don't remember what I just said. (laughs) 
this is sweet. But I want to touch on the bitterness. Because John didn't just eat it and it was sweet. It was bitter in his stomach. And this is what I need to say about that. Jesus said that because of me, the world will hate you. As you find the enjoyment in what his word brings to your life, personally, you will find that there will be people that don't like you because of it. There will be people that come against you because of your love for his word. Because you have tasted and you know that it is sweeter than honey. And they're going to be jealous of that. And it will put a bitterness upon you. Not because you're bitter at them, but it's more like a sadness that they don't know what you know. And you would hope that they would discover it. So this word, it really is where we go when mystery fills our life. Because it reveals the one who is sweeter than honey. It reveals that God is who he said he is, even in the midst of the worst of times and in the most mysterious of times. And when we want answers to questions that we can't find answers to and we can turn to him and he might not give you the answer you want, but he gives you the answer you need. It's himself. And so will you let mystery awaken you today? Will you let mystery cause you to seek out the one who created the mystery? Or will you be consumed by the mystery so much you miss its creator? I want to leave us with one last verse. This comes from Luke chapter 24. And this verse is found, maybe you've heard the story before, but it's called the road to Emmaus. And on this road, there were two disciples walking out of town to Emmaus, from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It's about a seven-mile walk. And a man appears next to them, comes up next to them and says, what are you talking about? And they're like, have you not heard what just happened in Jerusalem? And he's like, what things have happened in Jerusalem? And they start retelling about how Jesus was crucified on the cross and they killed the Son of God and they were sad and they couldn't understand how Jesus had left them. And the man walking alongside them says, did you not know what must take place? Do you not know the mystery that God had in the Old Testament for you to understand and comprehend that Jesus had to go to the cross? Well, let me tell you. Let me open the scriptures to you. And at this moment, they still haven't realized who it is that they walk with. But when they get to their destination, and they sit at the dinner table together, and the person they were walking with breaks bread with them, in verse 31, it says, Then their eyes were opened and they recognized Jesus. And he vanished from their sight. But here's the verse that I want us to focus on. And they said to one another, Were not our hearts 
burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us. Does your heart burn within you when you hear the word of God? When the scriptures, when its mysteries and its contents contained reveal Jesus, will your hearts not burn for him? So let's turn in all mystery to the giver of mystery and the revealer of the most important mystery ever that he made a way of redemption in his son Jesus for each and every one of us that we might become a kingdom of priests. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, we thank you. We thank you that mystery is not something to shy away from, that mystery isn't something to be scared of, that mystery is an exciting thing that you invite us into. Not because we need to have the answers to the mysteries we see. Because mystery pulls us in to seek the mystery giver. And so, Lord, lead us to your heart. Lead us to your son. Lead us to your word that is sweeter than honey. And may when we hear it, May it burn inside of us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.